Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us for episode 503 with Stu Hynek. Stu is sharing how you can get the attention of anyone to get the meetings. You'll learn one, the simple trick to exceeding a 100% response rate. Two, do's and don'ts for composing personal messages. And three, how to turn executive assistants into allies. If you'd like to look at the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced here, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F503. Now here's Stu's story. Stu has been dubbed by the American Marketing Association as the father of contact marketing. Stu Heineck is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist, Hall of Fame nominated marketer, and the best-selling author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone and Get the Meeting. Stu is also the founder of cartoonists.org, a group of Wall Street Journal and New Yorker cartoonists who donate their art to help charities raise funds. Big thanks to Stu for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Stu. Stu, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. I am delighted to be here with you, Pete. Well, I'm delighted to have you. We dorked out about AV for a good while, but I want to hear about your cartoons. I, I know it might be hard to pick a favorite, like a favorite child, but is there a particular cartoon that you think is extra hilarious or that you, you think back and chuckle at your own work years later? There are a bunch of them, actually. That's good. As a cartoonist, yeah. that's a good sign. But, you know, there's one that I is just my favorite, and it probably has great relevance to um, to today. And so what it is is a, it's this little child, this mischievous little child in, in the foreground, and he's wiping his arms back and forth. He's sitting in a high chair but at a table, and he's wiping his arms back and forth. And the cereal is, his bowl of cereal is overturned, the cereal's all over the place, and the, the, the box of cereal is, is knocked down. And in the background, his mom is washing the dishes, and she's turned around, you can see she's rather tired of this. And <laughs> she's saying, Rowan, you're acting like a Democrat. <laughs> but but it, it could easily be changed to, and makes just as much sense to say, Rowan, you're acting like a Republican. <laughs> and, Certainly. And in fact, it's my favorite because you can put almost anything in there, and, and it really—in fact, if you put all these together next to each other, to me, it really illustrates the, let's say, at least the futility of, of politics, particularly today. They're horrible. They're just awful today. 
And everyone seems to think that the other one is the worst, and I think it's all bad. It's just awful. So here's the funny thing or interesting thing about cartoons and humor in general. They are, it's really about truth revealed in a twist. So it's, it's why we, you know, when we laugh at something, we, we're often saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's so true. It is like that. I know someone like that. So it's it's actually about truth, and and that Roland cartoon is wonderful if you if you take several versions of it together and put it in one put let's say put it into one frame. I think it makes all kinds of sense because no one's actually no one's got a monopoly on the truth. That's that's a good point. I think there was even a, a stand-up comedian who was talking to his audience in responding to them saying it's so true. He said, "Yes, it is so true, and that's why it's funny." It is true, hence funny. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. exactly what it is. Well, I want to talk about one of your areas of expertise. You've got a couple books about how to get a meeting with anyone and, and getting that meeting. So could you maybe open us up with a cool story of maybe someone who was trying something to get a meeting or a series of meetings, having no luck, but then they tried some of your, your cool approaches and, and had a transformation? Oh, man. That, well, that brings up really two stories to mind. I could either tell you about how I got started with it because, you know, a, a tiny campaign went out and it got amazing results and launched my business. It was worth millions of dollars and it cost me a hundred dollars. <laughs> so that's one. And the other, or the other, the other version would be to tell about uh, Dom Steinman's story because Dom was having, I think that's what I should tell you because that really more directly answers your question. So Dom got in touch with me after my first book came out, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And and he was saying, you know, I, I've just got to share my story. And when I was at college, I was recruited by this big um, late stage startup in Silicon Valley to, to work as a sales development rep. And I was thrilled. But then when I got to work and started working with them, well, I found out that their expectation was that we would make 100 phone calls a day. Um, and and these were all cold calls. In other words, they were called calls to people that they didn't know, and there was no relationship. There was nothing. They were just calling out of the blue. And he said that you know, out of a hundred a day's worth of a hundred phone calls, he might have one conversation that was even worth having. The rest of them were just slams of the phone. So then he was telling a friend about this at dinner and lamenting the whole problem. And and the friend said, you know, you ought to get this book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. And so he did. And from there, he used what I would call, actually call it this in the new book, deep personalization as opposed to wide personalization. So he he started researching the people that he wanted to, to reach. So he was still doing the 100 phone calls a day. But then he would research some of the people that he thought were, would be really worth breaking through to. And, and so the first one was a fellow who he discovered through a profile scrape. That is a lot of research of social media uh, profiles and, and other information that can be found on the web. But what he found was that his target executive was uh, really inter really interested in family cooking and technology. So he ordered a, an apron, so it looked like a, a barbecue apron, and go. had it embroidered with a Stanley C. Clark quote, something to the effect that technology sufficiently advanced will appear as magic. So he had that embro embroidered on, on the apron and sent it out. Well, lo and behold, this guy responded right away. And by the way, this was this first one was someone that no one in the company, a lot of people had tried to, work, to, to reach him, but no one was able to reach him, you know, through cold calling. But by sending that gift, boom, all of a sudden, 
I mean, this fellow actually called back. They had a quick conversation, and they ended up with a six-figure deal pretty quickly. That's cool. And that's pretty cool. Then his cohorts started realizing, well, my gosh, Dom is getting through. We're not getting through to anyone. Dom is selling. We're not selling anything. So, how, Dom, how are you doing this? And he told him, and he's, would you help us? And sure. So the next, the next example of this was one of his cohorts said, okay, I've got a guy, another guy that that we haven't been able to reach. Nobody from our company has been able to reach him. And so Dom said, okay, let's let's take a look. Let's see what's in his profile. And what they discovered what the, is that this fellow was really involved in, in falconry. So they went to a falconry site and talked to the owner, and they said, what can we give someone who's really in, involved in falconry as a gift? And the, the fellow said, this beautiful glove. In, in falconry, they use these beautiful, ornate gloves uh, so they, they can hold the bird by the talons and not have their, their hand mangled. So... They said, okay, great. Well, we're going to send that or we're going to buy that. And meanwhile, they downloaded the, the picture and sent an, an, an email immediately to the prospect to say, hi, I'd like to get in touch with you. I just want to let you know I'm sending you this falconry glove. I hope you enjoy it. Well, the, again, this is another person they hadn't been able to reach at all. No one, from, no one from the company had been able to reach him. And he said, okay, well, look, the fellow responded immediately. He said, hey, that's really cool. Thanks so much. But I'm not really a prospect. But thanks anyway. <laughs> well, then the glove arrives and everything changed. It was a flip moment. Everything changed. He communicated right away to say, oh my God, I just got the glove. This thing's so cool. I'll tell you what, remember when I told you I'm not a prospect? Well, I'm not, but I know three CIOs who are prospects for what you do, and I'm going to make introductions right now. Well, he did, and another six-figure deal ensued. So now the, the management was saying, what's going on down there? What are you, what are you doing down there? And they and who's responsible for this? They all pointed to Dom, and so this, so Dom was promoted to sales manager as a result of that. And all of all of a sudden, that company was sold to I think it was Cisco for four point seven billion dollars. So a year out of college, just from reading the book and using contact marketing, Dom went from I probably washing out as a sales development rep to becoming a sales manager for a multinational $4.7 billion company. Stu, that is an excellent story. You've nailed that. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, that's really thought-provoking on a number of dimensions. And my, some of my favorite parts of the story was, so they learned the guy liked falconry, didn't know what to do with that. So talked to a falconry person, said, hey, what, what's a cool gift? And say, well, let me show you. And then, and then that, that went there. And even though the person wasn't a prospect, that deep need to reciprocate is there. So they want to do something for them. It's like, well, hey, I've got some introductions. So that is really cool. So, well, I know a lot of your work is well received and loved in the sales and marketing communities. I'd love to get a kick out of hearing maybe some examples of folks who are getting meetings outside of sales, like maybe they're selling themselves, like with regard to getting a job, or maybe they are trying to connect with someone to get some really great advice or information that will, will help them in what they're, working, what, what they're working on at the moment. Any of those tales come to mind? Well, I think, you know, what's interesting is that, well, I'm now on my second book about this. When I wrote the first one, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, I thought, okay, I've got it all done, you know, which is foolish. But, you know, I've got 20 categories of contact marketing campaign types. I'm sure this is it. And as soon as it came out, I heard from all these people who said, well, I've got another way to do this and another way and another way and another way. And so 
Some of these stories, well, that's, that's what led to the new book, Get the Meeting, but some of the stories had to do with job search. And in fact, there's enough of them that I probably, it, it may be where I go for the next book. Here's the thing. We all sell, whether we have the word sales in our titles or not. We all sell. I mean, that's sort of the nature of human existence or how we how we work together because we need things from each other. And we, we get those things by selling. So I know that there are a lot of uses of visual metaphors, you know, like a, a medical kit, and I'm going to help, and, uh, and, and then I'll... The, the copy that goes with it is something about I'm going to cure some of the things that are – that's not really a great ex- example, though, because if you're writing to someone saying, I'm going to cure what's wrong with your company, that may not be the best message to put out there. But, you know, I've used – directly, I've used some of my own devices, my own my own contact devices to help friends to get um, interviews, even though these devices are, are used generally in sales. And, and what I mean by that is usually – I've been using my cartoons my whole career to – break through to, to people I should never be able to break through to, or at least that's the way I felt. Maybe I should, because I have. So so I, I've worked with uh, some of my, uh, my sister, for one, told me once, uh, I, she was applying for a job, it was a sales job, and she was a little worried about whether she'd get it. And she said, it, one of the things she said was, they're going to ask me to do cold calls, I'm not really very comfortable with them. And I, I said, well, I'm glad you ta- you called me because I love doing them, but, you know, it's because I'm talking about sending cartoons out first. And, and you know, it's almost like an ambush. I, I love doing them. Why don't we try this? Why don't we just use one of my big, I call it, uh, call them big boards. They're an 18 by 24 inch, quarter inch thick foam core board. So on one side, there's a cartoon about the recipient. In this case, the person she was interviewing with. And on the other side, there's a message from the sender to the recipient explaining why they should meet or why something should go forward. And in Kristen's case, my, my sister, uh, we created a, a message on that, on that side that talked about how much she wanted to work with them and look forward to the next interview. So that was delivered. It's, you know, it's packaged in some, some really interesting corrugated cardboard packaging with cartoon art all over it. And it gets sent by, by FedEx. And so that was delivered and, she got the job. She got the next interview, obviously, <laughs> but she got the job when she came in. The big board was up over the, her new boss's desk, and it blasted her right through. And I know, you know, others have just used. I mean, we can also use the same trick, the personalized cartoon, on a card, just a little greeting card. And one of my friends borrowed one of those things from me and got a job as well. I just think there's such great parallels between sales and getting jobs. Even if you're not in the sales field, you're still selling and the outcomes and the the methods are still the same. Now, as you're going through these stories, I'm reminded of a story in which I was working with someone to prep for some interviews and he told me, oh man, I've been doing everything to try and get the interview with uh, McKinsey and Company, which is a selective strategy consulting firm. And he sent them a birthday cake for the whole office on his birthday and said, it's my birthday and all I want is to work for McKinsey and Company. And that was actually effective. It turns like, all right, you know, we're going to now look at your resume closely. Sure enough, you have earned an interview and then he took it from there. So that's, that's cool to see it action. And we talk about the medical kit, but now my wheels are turning. Like I've got one of my favorite tools is a ratcheting multi-bit screwdriver. It's just so elegantly wonderful. And, and so if you say, Hey, I can cure 
you know, the, the problem It's like, well, you can fix the problem, you know, with it, with a tool. And so that's cool. So, well, maybe we could zoom out a little bit and, and talk about this, this process. So you call this whole approach contact marketing. So can you maybe define that term and, and the steps in the process for us? Yeah, yeah. Well, contact marketing is, uh, I, I, the definition of it is a fusion of marketing and selling that uses micro-focused campaigns to produce contact with high-level, high-value high prospects and accounts. Roughly, that's the definition of it. Well, but the, I can tell you, though, that, I mean, I, when I first started out, although I used contact marketing to launch my business, my business was, I was creating direct mail campaigns a long time ago for publishers, for magazine publishers. And in the direct marketing field, I used to hear that, you know, people used to say a 1% response rate was pretty, pretty common, pretty standard, although there's really no, no such number. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like there is no common or standard number, but, but let's use 1% for a moment. You know, if you look at lots of forms of, of other kinds of marketing, let's say digital marketing, you can you find that response rates are at the thousandths of a percent. So it's really quite low. In contact marketing, these response rates are going as high as 100%. That's pretty bizarre. That's as high as it gets. <laughs> well, no. Actually, I, oh. I found one that was getting three to 400%. Look like referrals and like viral stuff? Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it was so astonishing, the thing that he was giving out, that it was being shared. And then that sharing ended up pulling more people into the campaign. What was that thing? Now I got to know. Well, you know, it relates to something I wrote about in the book called pocket campaigns. It's a replacement of business cards. And, and so I was studying, what, you know, I was looking for what, what, are the, what are the coolest business cards out there? Because, you know, we've all gotten cards that you, you, you get it and you say, whoa, oh my God, I didn't realize a business card could be like this. And that's just so cool. Well, one of those stories was, uh, was this fellow who had his card printed on a, on sheet rubber, but still the same standard size of a business card to two inches by three and a half inches. But it's this real thin sheet of gum rubber is a tan rubber. And before they printed it, they put it on a jig. So it was stretched on a jig. Then they printed the contact details. And once the ink cured and dried, they take it back off the, uh, off the, the jig. And of course, that would mean that when it returned to its regular shape, that meant that all of the details that were just printed now got squeezed together. He told me that he'd go out to a pub and he'd get into conversations with people at the bar. They'd say, well, what do you do? And what do you do? And they, eventually they'd, they'd um, exchange business cards. So out comes his floppy little business card. It's like an ambush. <laughs> it's this floppy little business card as they're exchanging cards. And, and the, the recipient is saying, wow, what's that? And they grab it on both ends and stretch it just naturally because otherwise you can't read it. Well, then it reveals it's Paul Nielsen's card. He's a fitness trainer. And guess what? He already has you exercising. Oh. <laughs> so then they would say, oh, my God, can I keep this? Sure. Yeah. So they'd keep it and they'd bring it to the – they kept it in their pockets probably. They kept it – I remember that they brought it to the office and just anywhere they could talk to someone, they'd be saying, hey, you got to check out this business card I just got from this guy. They'd show it, pull it out. The person would stretch it automatically. And they'd say, look at that. He's a fitness trainer and he already has you exercising. And they'd have a good laugh, and they'd say, what, wait a minute, I want to write down this guy's number. And, and so this is stunning, because Paul said every time he would hand out a business card, he would get three or four new clients. 
that's a stunning result yeah, from a one, business yeah, card. Wow. Yeah, because wow. usually they're thrown away. Or I mean, I have cool ones. They have cartoons all over them and so on. But I've never handed someone a business card and gotten a sale because of it. Yeah, boy, that's so cool. So that's what a pocket campaign is then, is something that you can put into your pocket. Any other examples of, of things that you can put your pocket in a card format? Yeah, I mean, the pocket campaign, they're a little bit more involved than just having a, a cool business card, or really, I should say, an involvement device. It, it, Paul's, Paul's stretchy card is an involvement device. It's, a, it's an invitation to play. Uh, and, and from there, as marketers, we would then include a jump offer, something that pulls people to a, a, a web page where we can set a tracking pixel. And then from there, we run a remarketing ad or retargeting it. Just like any, you know, if, if that term is not familiar, it's what's happening whenever you go to, let's say, the the L.L. Bean site and you shop for shoes and then you leave. And then those ads start showing up wherever you go on the web about L.L. Bean shoes. Well, you can, can actually do that. And that, that actually is part of the pocket campaign model. But if for job search, I would think you could just use the first part of it, just an engagement device. Still something you pull out of your pocket. It's just like a business card, but it's totally different from the other cards because other cards generally are, you know, they're it's trying to make us look important and fancy almost. I don't know. I mean, with gold, you know, with foil stamping and embossing and maybe it's, or maybe it's, they're engraved on bamboo or or metal or, or carbon fiber it's all meant to make us look impressive and it doesn't work it's that's not working but the cards that are actually involvement devices do so here's another example one of the people that i interviewed for the book has a card that is stamped metal so it's credit card sized piece and the stamping knocked out cutouts so so that it the piece actually operates as a multi-tool, if that makes sense. So there are cutouts and different size wrenches. Mm, yeah, like a screwdriver, bottle opener. Yeah, bottle opener. But it's actually meant to be used on on uh, bikes to repair them out in, the, out in the wild. And this card was for a the owner of a, of a bike repair shop. So there were no logos on it or anything that, like that. It just had his name and his contact details stamped on the piece. But it was this device that bike users or bike riders would say, that's really cool. That's I love that. I'm going to keep that in my wallet. I'm going to keep it with me wherever I go because I just never know when I might need to use that. And so that's that's a great great example of a of a pocket campaign, or let's say at least the engagement device portion of a pocket campaign. Um, that could, I I mean I think that you could use all kinds of things for for pocket campaigns and and for for engagement devices that could be terrific for for jobs. I remember a comedian had a really cool one. It was a flip book. I don't know if you do you remember flip books? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a bound stack of of cards actually. And on each card was a facial expression. So lots of different pictures of this fellow who was a comedian. And when you flip the book really quickly, when you flip those pages really quickly, his face changes really quickly. And it's really funny. And it's a great metaphor for what it is that he's going to provide in terms of value up on stage. But that would be a great card to to use in a job search, I would think. Yeah. I think all of these would actually be terrific way. I mean, the multi-tool could be a great way of saying, again, without saying you're broken uh, to the to the business owner, you know, I've got the tools to help you succeed. I, so, something along those lines. I mean, there's a metaphor there and you can use that in, in your note. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Well, so we're having so much fun with the stories. Let's hear about, we got a process here that starts with the research and, and can you walk us through this? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing you need to do is you better find out who it is you want to reach. Mm -hmm. So that would be step number one. And then 
you know, well, once you once you do that, you or while you're doing that anyway, you've got to create something, some sort of device that's going to get you through. So, you know, this could be a could be something tangible that you send. We've talked about a bunch of these already. I mean, the, the pocket campaigns are all tangible pieces, the cartoon pieces, and so on. But it can also be well. Look, we're doing a podcast together. Podcasts are a great device for connecting with people, aren't they? Oh yeah. I mean, you get to connect with a lot of really interesting. I'm not going to put myself in there, but you you get to connect with a lot of really interesting people. And so, a podcast. I guess we should just broaden it out to some form of of um, media exposure is really nice. There are even interesting ways to use email to break through if you time it correctly. If you, uh, you know, most of the people that are, I should say, important people who are very busy are pretty tough to reach using email during the week. But if you, what if you waited until Saturday, early Saturday morning before they got their weekend started? Because I know that executives, many executives, and let's go all the way up to the CEOs, they get up early and before they start up their weekend activities, they check their email and they get a little bit of work done. Or at the end of the weekend, Sunday evening, when they're preparing for the week ahead, also a great time to reach out to someone who's generally really well-guarded by executive assistants, and you can break through. And there are great examples of things that are done that are way, way, way over the top that are some of my favorite stories, but they're expensive. And, and you know, they, I don't know. I mean, one one person used a, a I guess this wasn't expensive. Someone sent a pigeon to, I can't say the name. I'm not, I'm restricted from saying the name, but it, he was, he's no, no longer with us. He was probably the most famous CEO in the world at the, at the time. So really tough to get through to. And so someone sent a pigeon in a, in a box with air holes and a handwritten notes, sent it to, to this fellow and, and said, you know, I've been trying to reach you. Uh, I've tried everything I can think of. I've been talking to your, your engineering department. They love my, my solution, but purchasing won't talk to me. So I've sent you faxes and emails and letters I've called. I've done everything I could think of. And, you know, really, this is my last resort. So if you would, just inside the box, there's a pigeon and on the pigeon's leg is a capsule. And in the capsule is a little slip of paper. And so if you take that out and write the name of your favorite restaurant and the date and time, and then release the pigeon, actually put it back in the capsule first, (laughs) of course, but release the pigeon, I'll meet you there. And it actually worked. And they, they had lunch, and, uh, and the fellow walked out of that meeting with a $250 deal. To, sorry, $250,000 yeah. deal. <laughs> so just, there are just all kinds of ways of breaking through, and they, don't, they can be non-tangible or, or tangible. I think the one thing that – the one caution I would throw out there is that if you're only reaching out on um, social media – I don't think that that one act, if you connect with someone on LinkedIn, for example, that one action alone is not enough to actually create a, a relationship. And you've got to do more than that to actually show up on their radar screen, so to speak. Okay. Well, so then we've got the research and then we've got the intriguing device there. I guess I'm curious a little bit about the, the research phase and, and the crafting of that ideal message. So you mentioned that you check out their social media profiles and, and how do you go about building up that profile so you have that hunch for what would be ideal for them? Well, you know, I have a, I have a great shortcut. There is a, a new company out there called Seamless.ai and, if you, and Seamless is a, an AI-powered search engine that produces dossiers on anyone. And in fact, you can sign up for a free account and get 100, I think it's 100, maybe it's 50, but we'll call it 100 free searches 
And it just so it uses AI to, to just scour everything to find out all of the person's contact details, so their email address, their phone number, their address, and then a lot about what it is they're interested in. And and you can do that in seconds. That's pretty cool. Hot dog. Yeah. So that makes it kind of easy. Or I guess you could comb the news. You can just be observant and watch for stories about people who are doing interesting things, somebody you might want to work with or for. Those are great, too. So you'll see them in the news and so forth. There are lots of ways. I think there are actually lots of ways to find the people. But if you're in a job search, you you probably have, and I guess you probably have some idea of what it is you want that job to be, and then where the maybe the best places are to to have that sort of career. So you you've got to start there, I suppose. But then you can also then use, for example, a seamless and other tools to um, to find out how to reach them and what it is they're involved with. You know, you really do want to know something about these people because. When you reach out, you've got a bunch of things you need to, to consider. One is you really want to humanize yourself. We've been talking about ways to do that. I, mean, I think using a lot of these techniques does personalize you because it causes you to stand out or humanize yourself. But but then you also want to be careful about how the messages are crafted because they really need to be highly personal. And you know, you might be saying, I noticed that, I don't know, I noticed in the Forbes article last month that you were quoted in, that you said this. So you know something about them. And if they're saying something, then you're paying attention to what that is. And maybe that's what you're responding to and you're, as, as your reason for reaching out to them. But I think the last thing you, we're, we're creating sort of a list here, so I don't want to use the word last, but mm-hmm. the thing you want to avoid is you don't want to sound promotional, I think. You don't want to sound like you're talking at them. You want to sound like you're one person connecting with another, because that's actually what, you, what it is. But I mean, you wouldn't be saying, "Hey, so and so, um, if you contact me within the next within the next ten minutes, you're going to get a free, you know, something." And that's very promotional, and it'll and it's very off-putting in one of these messages. In fact, personal goes as far as it reaches. I guess one of the ways to make that message personal would be to actually write it out by hand. And in fact, a lot of the really successful campaigns or contact campaigns that that I've written about and found in my research, they've included handwritten messages. Yeah. So, you know, you you got to be relevant and timely and, and I think another really big consideration is you've really got to be respectful of their time. So, if you happen to be reaching out to the CEO of a company, keep your message really short and succinct. Don't ask them to wade through a lot of detail. Oh, okay, so that that's great. And I also want to hear are there any maybe any key phrases that we should avoid entirely. So you mentioned in particular the the super promotional type stuff. I, I don't know about you, but when when I read an email that starts with just following up, that kind of turns me off. That's and, true. Yeah, just checking in. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And so and I understand, you know, that is what you're doing. And you know, you're it's honest, you're calling a spade a spade. But I mean that just already reminds me that either through my negligence or by by willful decision making, I have ignored, you know, a previous communication. So that one doesn't do it for me. I don't know if it's a personal uh, hot button for me or if that's kind of universally discouraged. Any any things that you would point out, like, don't say this? Well, I mean, I think I would avoid the word, the use of the word free at all costs, because it just then sounds like a promotion. But I I love what you just suggested there about, well, I'm just checking in. It's easy enough to go out and find something of interest so that when you're reaching out, 
you're not just saying I'm, I'm checking in because that's wasting their time, but maybe you're, you're saying, Hey, I thought you'd enjoy this article, you know, or, or I was at a, I was at a, an event last, last week or last month, an industry event, and I wanted to share with you a couple of impressions, at least because I think they'll, they'll have an impact on your business, something like that. At least you're offering value instead of just, Hey, I'm just checking in. Cause those, mm-hmm. I don't think those ever lead anywhere or lead anywhere good. Similar to that, maybe pick your brain. I don't know that anyone wants their brain, their brains picked, <laughs> you know, Hey, could we meet right. for lunch and I'd, I'd love to pick your brain. Well, why? I mean, you know, I, perhaps the person on the other end of that sells what's in their brain for, I'm sure they do, <laughs> you know, but maybe they're consultants, who knows, or, or they're, they could be the CEO of a company. They're paid thousands of dollars a minute. And so why are they going to allow you to take them to lunch to pick their brain? It's a sort of un, uncompensated work on their part. I think just in general, though, it really has to be, I think that if you're doing a lot of talking about yourself, I mean, I guess you've got to tell a little bit about yourself, but if you're doing a lot of talking about yourself and not about the person that you're reaching out to and why you want to reach out to them and perhaps how you think you can help them, then I think the whole message is probably off. Yeah. Well, this is a great lineup. Uh, Stu, tell me, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Yeah. Maybe one thing, executive assistance. That's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, they're, they're usually thought of as a, simply a barrier to the person that people are trying to reach. And here's the thing. I mean, a lot of salespeople, and I know your audience isn't sales-oriented, but still, I think there are great parallels here. So a lot of salespeople will ask me, or they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a way to circumvent the executive assistant. How do I do that? And my response is, you don't want to do that at all. You want to involve the executive assistant. You should be thinking of them as VPs of access or, or talent scouts. You need to plan your call, I mean, your, your communication with the executive assistant as part of your campaign. So it might be helpful to give an example. Would that, would that make sense? Oh, sure, yeah. So when we send our big boards around, and let's say and I use the same thing. that I, I, My clients use these as well. But so when I'm using it, I get to say, Hi, I'm Stu Heineck to the executive assistant. I'm Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, and I'm sending a print of one of my cartoons. It's about your boss. Well, that's just a handful of words, but already the executive assistant is leaning into the phone saying, wait, what? What did you just say? Because it's about their boss, and it's a a cartoon by a well-known cartoonist in a well-known venue, and this cartoon happens to be about their boss. So, of course, they're they're interested in, in pursuing the conversation further. And and so I finished that with by saying, um, well, you know, so I, I want it to be a surprise to your boss, but I don't want it to be a surprise to you. Would you mind if I send you an email? Sure. Usually that's the, the response. Sure, of course. Okay, can I get your email address? Great. And how do you spell your name? Great. Now I've gotten the executive assistant's spelling of their name, their email address, and I, of course I know how to reach them. And um and then I'll often follow up with a card. I mean, I can, I have cards that I can produce really quickly, a cartoon about the, the executive assistant. And it's just a really quick handwritten note saying, thank you so much for your help on the phone. Greatly appreciate it. And I sign it, Stu. And then I'll also ask when the big board has a FedEx tracking number, would you mind if I get in touch with that as well? And they usually will say, no, not at all. So, so then, um, what I have is, you know, I've got the initial phone call. I've got an email that went out right afterward. I have a card and then another email with the with the FedEx tracking number. I've got four touches with the executive assistant before I ever even ask to speak to the person I'm actually trying to reach. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important point. Executive assistants are they're they're amazing. They're probably some of the sharpest people in their companies. And if if you're talking to the the executive assistant to the CEO, that person is really on equal footing. They wouldn't they wouldn't agree, but if you think about it from our standpoint as a person calling in, they're actually on equal, equal footing with the rest of the C-suite members because they report right. directly to the CEO. <laughs> they, they probably have more dealings with the CEO than all the other people. That's a great perspective. So they're incredible people, and you really need to embrace them and look for ways to, and it would, I guess, just involve them in your campaign and recruit them to become an ally in your campaign. Lovely. Thank you. And now, could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> so I, there's one that, that just cracks me up. Let's do it. Uh, By Winston Churchill. He said, and of course, I can't do his voice, but when you're going through hell, keep going. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great one. All right. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? This goes back a few years. When I was a student at USC at Stanford, there was a, I think it was at Stanford, there was a study happening with a gorilla named Coco. Have you ever heard of Coco? Yeah. So you know what it is. So, So they, the researchers thought, well, let's see if we can teach Coco American Sign Language. And in fact, it worked so well that Coco was inventing words. I mean, she wanted yogurt. She hadn't been taught a, taught the sign a word for yogurt. So she, she put together flour and sauce. She, wanted, she asked for flour sauce. Huh. And then another time she wanted a pet, a pet cat. And so they said, well, let's try it. And she took care of that cat and it was really wonderful to the cat. So I think that's one of my favorite ones. They're, isn't that interesting that gorillas, I guess just in animals in general perhaps, don't get the, the credit they deserve for their intelligence and um, emotional awareness. And how about a favorite book? Just for fun, I, I think my favorite favorite book is probably Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. So that's going back a ways. But I love the writing of Tom Robbins. It's just, his writing is just so inventive. And for me, it's inspiring. But for business, I would say Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Christensen, which is an interesting dilemma because businesses that, that are, are market leaders, generally they go out of business and it's the disruptive technologies that end up actually taking over and displacing the, the current market dominators. And so here's the dilemma. How does a company like that recognize which technology is going to change the business and the market? without or really disrupt the market but which of these should they invest in or should they invest in any and how should they invest and you know even the, how should they evaluate it because the um, disruptive technologies first aren't profitable and how about a favorite tool it could be something that, that i use in, in business like you know i mentioned seamless.ai and there are other ai tools like, like x.ai that is a an ai assistant that sets up appointments for you there's, uh, I love using Zoom for calls, and and Spiroit.ai is another one. It's 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 a CRM program with a with a layer of AI uh, attached as well. But you know, if we were just talking about literally a tool, I'm thinking the tool I was telling you about the the ones that are credit card sized. They're they've got different punch outs so that they they can function as a as a as a ruler. I guess that's not a punch out, but a, a ruler, a bottle opener, a letter opener, a wrench, and so forth. I think those things are really cool because they're working their way into a lot of my clients' pocket campaigns right now. So that's maybe that's my favorite tool. Oh thank you. And a favorite habit? You know, I think the one thing that I think could make a lot of difference in everyone's lives is if everyone was scrupulously 
on time. When you say you're going to mm-hmm. call at 2, you call right at 2. You don't call it 2.02. You don't call it 2.07. Because when you do that, it shows disrespect for the person's time. And I think maybe that's one of the nicest or, or strongest compliments certainly the strongest signal you can put out to someone that you want to connect with that you respect their time. So be on time. Yeah. And as you say that, you know, it even seems kind of fun. Like I could watch the clock as the seconds tick away and then push sort of like the last number of the phone number, like at the second that it it turns to that, that minute mark because, and it, it leaves an impression. It's like, Oh, okay, here you are. Yeah, it's respectful, and we're talking about jobs here. So it says you're dependable. It says you do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And do you have a key nugget you share that really seems to get requoted frequently back to you? Well, perhaps. I mean, I, you know, I have, I have a headline that I use in my ads for, for my two books, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone and Get the Meeting. And that, that headline is, One Meeting Can Change Everything. And I believe that. And in fact, when we look back on all of all of us, when we look back on our lives, the things that have sprung us forward you know that have been advances in our in our lives and in our careers have all probably come from meetings or you know connecting with someone so that's probably that would probably be my favorite one one meeting can change everything and if folks want to learn more or get in touch where would you point them well i mean you can buy the book that that would be nice <laughs> or and you can connect with me on linkedin i just find me uh, my, my name is spelled Stu s-t-u and heinick h-e-i-n-e-c-k-e and if you mention that you heard us uh, talking on on this podcast. That would be a big help. Uh, then I'd know where you're coming from, and I'm happy to connect. And I think finally, I also run a podcast. It's a weekly podcast called the How to Get a Meeting with Anyone podcast. And I'm delighted to be talking to people who keep sharing these crazy things that they've been doing to get meetings. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs. Well, you know, I would say I would say that um, you find new ways to connect with people and. Build your network because that's that's going to have a big effect on the scale of your career and, and your life. Find people that are you think are not accessible, not someone that you could reach, and challenge yourself to go out and do it, and you'll be really surprised. You will connect with a lot of these people. Stu, this has been a ton of fun. Please keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciated Stu's take on doing the deep research and sending something that folks will love to grab their attention and all the fun stories. So I encourage you, if you need to make an impression and there's a dream, a meeting with someone that really could change everything, go ahead and do your homework up front. And maybe you too will see a 100% plus response rate. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F503. If you haven't already, I encourage you to push the subscribe button. You'll catch our next guest. It's Carl Stabe. He is talking about gratitude and the huge difference it can make for your career and how to cultivate it even when you're not feeling it. Hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. 
If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.